This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. with Ryan Spader, the ace of Spader, and our special guest today is Bob Nightingale from USA Today, who we understand is actually at a baseball game, so they let you in. How do you get into a baseball game, Bob? <laughs> Stink that way to the game. <laughs> Seriously, no, like, say, what yeah. do you have to do? <laughs> you have to first. be in a bubble? Just, uh, just a, uh, you know, pre- press pass, or you, you got to actually apply for a credential each time. So, I start off the season in... Uh, Chicago, both ballparks there, little Ridley rooftop, and then uh, Houston, Arizona, Bay Area. So I haven't done too many. That may, get, that may be it for a while. So do you have to get tested every couple of days just to go to these games? How does that happen? How does that work? No, all they do is they, uh, they check your uh, temperature. So you've got to be uh, 100.4 or lower to get in. And uh, you apply a couple of days ahead of time for a uh, press credential. And you're only allowed to sit in the press box, even though there's nobody in the stands. Like, I can't sit behind a home plate or behind a dugout or anything like that. Got to be uh, put in the press box. So the last thing on this would be, I guess, you've been at all of these games. What is it like at a ballpark with a fanless crowd? Well, very strange. I mean, they do play the, uh, you know, the music loud. Uh you know, the walk-up music, things like that. They have the uh, crowd murmur. So it kind of fools you a little bit. Uh, you know, the weird part is just no interaction. And you see, it, you know, one or two faces, you know, in the press box. Uh, and that's about it. Obviously, you're not seeing any talking players or coaches or managers or scouts or anything like that. So, yeah, kind of a uh, lonely feeling, actually. Bob, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit. I saw your tweet earlier uh, regarding the Hall of Fame pushing back the New Era Committee elections by a year. Um, I'm curious if you think that's going to impact any of the players potentially getting in. We had Mike Schmidt on earlier, and he has advocated strongly for Dick Allen and Jim Gott, and um, both of them I I would put in the Hall of Fame. But I'm curious uh, as to what you think might happen with all that. 
Yeah, at least, you know, all momentum, you know, stops, grinds to a halt. I was surprised, uh, did a song I did down a few years ago. I was surprised it came that close last time, uh, just one vote short. Uh, Jim, for whatever reason, hasn't come close at all. But I would think there's enough people, uh, you know, rooting for uh, Dick Allen. Uh, and I think, too, with some recent guys like Harold Baines, I think would help a, a Dick Allen case. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I would think we just, you know, the momentum, you know, just stops now. But I think, you know, at least next next fall is when it really gets going. And all it takes is, you know, just uh, you know, 12 to 16 guys or uh, 16 committee members, you know, that, that meet uh, right, you know, the day before the winter meeting and decide on, on these guys whether they get in or not. Well, one thing that concerns me with Dick Allen is I know he's not in the best of health, so I, I really hope that, that he can see himself enshrined one day. But um, you brought up Harold Baines, who I thought was a pretty interesting case, because what got him in largely was the advocacy of Tony LaRussa saying that, you know, he would have hit these landmarks had he not played through the 83 strike, the 94 strike. And then, of course, people often forget the 95 strike. Uh, the 94 strike, of course, went into the 95 season because he would have hit that 3,000 hits or 500 doubles or 300 home runs that he fell short of. Um, do you put any stock into that? Because we're going to have some players potentially dealing with missing milestones because of this pandemic right here. No, I put some stock into it. I mean, 3,000 is the magic mark. Uh, I really believe if uh, if Fred McGriff had hit seven more home runs, he would have been in the Hall of Fame, you know, first or second bout. I have one for him every year. I thought it was a crime that he's not in the, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get in with the veterans committee. But, yeah, I think those magical numbers mean a lot. And I think with the Harold Baines, I think so many people are jump up and down about Baines getting in there. You know, they overlooked how great of a player he is. And he still had 2,800-some hits. <laughs> wasn't, you know, wasn't that fall short of uh, uh, 3,000. You know, same people are, you know, say, oh, let's put in Mark McGuire. Well, McGuire had like 2,100 hits. You know, it's a, it's, it's a big difference. So, uh, yeah, I felt, I felt bad for Baines. I thought he should have got more due than Dick. And not if you get in the Hall of Fame, but he shouldn't have been taking, uh, you know, criticism for getting in. Well, the other thing with Baines is that um, he had his number retired in 91 from the White Sox and played like another 10 seasons. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. That's how beloved, uh, how beloved he was. I mean, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf to this day will still tell you, Harold, you know, Harold Baines, my favorite player of all time, of all the uh, great White Sox players they had. So just a uh, a beloved figure, just a really, really nice guy. Hey, Bob, we're just sitting at home. I'm watching the NBA is on during the day. Why don't we have more day games? There's got to be a reason for that. Uh, just strictly TV ratings. I mean, just a, uh, you know, we know not everybody's working with the pandemic, but, you know, people that are and stuff like that, uh, you know, some schools started. It's just they want those night games. Uh, yeah, I had a few buddies that reached out to me on Saturday and said, my God, I'm looking for a uh, you know, Saturday day game a week. And there were no day games at all on Saturday. But yeah, just all strictly for TV ratings. And the ratings have been uh, you know, slightly up so far. So, you know, it, it's worked out even without the crowds. Yeah, it, it just really is odd to me, though, because they could get ratings if they had a, a game on. But now they're going up against the NBA. I'm still bothered that they didn't get it, you know, the season going in the first week of July. But I need to get over that. I'm just so happy that we're back now. Um, how and you're in the stadium. You can't really you can't hang out and talk with the players. You're talking about that. You can't just sit there for 45 minutes to chat with them. So, 
you know, what's your what what's your vibe on the game right now? Have the players kind of settled into the new normal? Is it still uncomfortable? What's your sense, Bob? No, I think they really have settled in. I I thought at first, like the first uh, week or ten days, I didn't see a lot of joy from these guys. It's almost like, oh, let me just get through this and hope I uh, hope I can still stay negative on the test, worrying about my family, everything else. Now I see a lot more energy. Uh, the bats are coming alive, and uh, I think the players, you know, before you know they had no idea where to get through this season. Now I think you you know if you took a, a survey, uh, you know, by ninety-five percent at least we'll think yeah we'll definitely get to the regular season and we'll have a uh, a world series champion too so where before us you know every time there was a something hit particularly the marlins when it hit them you know you're thinking oh is it is the season end today and uh yeah baseball got it way through it you know and they uh you know props to the uh you know the, to the players and the coaching staff and stuff and those guys have taken this protocol seriously and you see when uh, the two guys in cleveland the pitchers uh, valid protocol, just how upset even their own teammates were. Bob, uh, one thing that I think we're going to be talking about for a while regarding this season, and is something that I think even today is still talked about regarding the 94 season, how often you hear people say, hey, Matt Williams could have broken the home run record, is these um, uh, numbers extrapolated over the course of an entire season. You got Fernando Tatis Jr. is halfway through the season right now. And his 162 paces for 65 home runs. Uh, <laughs> I I don't think uh, he would hit 65 over the course of um, uh, 162 games. But um, it's going to be interesting to see the way that people look at these numbers throughout history and say, uh, you know, what could have been. And in reality, I, I think I fall on the side of the fence that, you know, some guys are hot to start a season and then they kind of cool off. I, I think anybody can really do anything over the span of 60 plate appearances or 60 games even. I'm curious where you fall in all that. No, no, I'm with you. It's like a, uh, I don't think anyone looks at numbers now and say, okay, Matt Williams definitely would have hit, you know, 60 home runs. He could have break, you know, broken Maris's record before it helps. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't believe that just so hard. It's like, hey, I could see a guy hitting 400 uh, during a 60-game season, but, you know, will I see it, you know, or 62? Maybe, you know, maybe never. Uh, but, yeah, just the wear and tear. And that's the beauty about baseball is just there's no flukes uh, because, you know, it's the best teams rise to the top and some of the best players. You know, so many guys get up there. And the starts, at the end of the year, those numbers are still there. Uh, you know, this year with all the teams making the playoffs, you know, there'll be some teams that don't belong at all, but you know, took took advantage of it. And you talk to some other GMs, executives, said, "Well, if you if you have a decent sized payroll and you don't make the playoffs, you should get fired because this is the easiest year in the world to make the playoffs." So, regarding the playoffs, I like to gloat a little bit because I wrote an article I don't know a year ago saying how Major League Baseball should restructure the postseason, and it turns out they restructured it almost exactly how I said. And uh, that makes me feel kind of cool. But um, do you think that this postseason structure is here to stay? Because I think it's going to have immense success. And I think in turn, it will be here to stay. Well, you know, hey, the owners like it. The players like it. You know, uh, more playoff money for everybody else, more TV revenue for everybody else. I, I thought it was a little bit of a gimmick when I heard about the, uh, you know, the, other, you know, the top teams get to choose your opponent. I thought it was like too much like a game show. But, but I will say that there should be a little bit more advantage if you finish with the best record in, uh, in your league 
uh, certainly didn't win the division. So I, you know, look at a team like the Dodgers right now. They're probably the best team in the National League. But what if they, uh, what the number eight seed team, the Cincinnati Reds, they got to go against a uh, Bayern, you know, Sunny Gray right away. <laughs> That's not fair. The Dodgers went through that last year with the Nationals. At least that was a best of five. Uh, a best of three anything can happen. You know, particularly, you know, if there's no home field advantage, no no fans. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of wish this year that there was a little bit of a more of an advantage for these teams who win their division. I don't know. I, I think if there are fans, it's definitely a huge advantage. But I can I can completely see the case where there's not fans and it's not really much of an advantage. I got one more thing for you on um, just the numbers. And I'm curious where you fall. Uh, Bauer this season has two complete game shutouts. However, both of them were on uh, parts of a doubleheader. So there were seven inning complete game shutouts. Uh, he's the first pitcher since Bob Lemon in 1956 to have a pair of seven inning complete game shutouts. Do you look at those um, shutouts by Trevor Bauer as actual complete game shutouts, given that this is something that has happened throughout history due to rain delays or any other um, any other causes to end a game? You know, I, I kind of don't. It's because, you know, what about pitcher, uh, what if, you know, so many double hitters like the Cardinals and Marlins are playing. You know, what if a guy racks up, you know, six or seven complete game shutouts there? You know, does he go down the record book? You know, I don't think so. We don't kind of know, know here that way. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I can see doing that. I think the Astros get everybody's mind. You know, a little bit like if somebody hits 400. Yeah, hit 400, but it wasn't a true season. Uh, I think in this season, we look back and say, okay, the guy has five or six uh, complete game shutouts out of his 12 starts. You know, how many of those were seven innings? How many were really nine innings? Hey, Bob, I know you're based out of Phoenix, so you're at uh, in Arizona right now. You're at the game. They're facing the Rockies. And I find this very interesting is that they have the humidor in Arizona, but I also noticed lately they've been opening up the roof so they can get the offense going. And the roof's, what is it, 110 degrees outside? Um, is the roof thing not working for them? Why are they doing this? <laughs> well, it, it, uh, they have, I think, a soon season now where it gets a little humid. I mean, things uh-huh. is very dry. I always say the joke is going to heat. But I think right now it's at 113 at game time. And uh, it's humid out there. It'd be very, very uncomfortable. Uh, I was there for the first home stand when they opened that thing up. Uh, you know, and they scored a lot of runs off of well, McCullers Jr. It was actually a nice night. I mean, it can be a nice night when it, when it dips down to uh, high 90s or low 100s and, and you know, crazy in the south. Uh, right now, you just can't do it. it it's too hot. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because both, you know, here's two good offenses, Diamondbacks and Rockies, and neither, neither, neither team can score runs. All right, so now you got to tell me the team, the best team in baseball that isn't the Dodgers. Who's the best team you've seen so far? I got to go with Oakland A's. Uh, yeah, and the, uh, that was my preseason pick before in spring training one. I said Dodgers over Oakland will be a rematch of 88. And then uh, with it, when Ben Tennant hit, I still like the Dodgers. They didn't like him as much. And Oakland, I really worry about because they always get up to slow starts, and you wonder how they're doing a 60-game season. But I think Oakland's an outstanding team. And I don't put, I don't put the Rays that far behind them either. Uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be TV's that worst nightmare. But you know, you could, you could see a, an Oakland A's, Tampa Bay Rays, and we'll see this. last thing I got for you is. Um... I'm curious how uh, when you report on some information that maybe you heard or, you know, you um, 
you, you, you're just sharing with Major League Baseball fan base, and then all of a sudden people be, are berating you because of what you're reporting, and it's you know sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but the fact of the matter is you're doing your job and you're just reporting on what you hear. Um, how is that something you deal with in the new age of Twitter? Because I think it's awful, and you have like. 10 times the following that I do. So I don't know how you put up with it because I barely can. Yeah, I, I make a habit not looking at any, uh, you know, mentions or people tweeting back and like that. It's just so negative, as you know. I remember talking to a story with David Price a couple of years ago when this is the Red Sox, and he used to be on social media a lot, and he got off it completely. And he could say, uh, hey, I could uh, tweet God is good. And Billy fired back, no, no, he's a Pharisee, this, he's that. I mean, everything is so negative. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a good place to be. I'm just making a mistake at all. I don't care if it's a typo or a number or you have one part of a trade wrong or something. But, yeah, it's just a, uh, you, know, you, don't hear, you don't hear much back unless it's a, uh, you know, negativity. Negativity yeah, is, you know, so big. But that's a... Uh, that's what Twitter's become, uh, uh, unfortunately. It, it, it could be a nasty, nasty tweet, and you got to have thick skin, and you cannot look at all the tweets and mentions because, you know, you're not going to have it. Uh, so I'll leave it on a positive note here, and I'm pretty sure that 99.9% of fans are going to disagree with me, and I'm going to take out the debacle, the labor debacle before they started. And I will say, despite the fact that we have had a couple of major shutdowns with the Marlins and then the Cardinals, too, and we've had a couple other things, I think for the most part, Major League Baseball has done an admirable job. You know, what are you going to do? You can't control these breakouts. They are the guinea pigs for all of this. So for as furious as I still am with them that they wasted time getting on the field, I personally think that it is an okay job. They've, it, it, I would even go as far as to say it's been a good job, given how difficult the circumstances are. Bob, am I wrong? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a, uh, uh, it's amazing how you know how low of the rate has been for positive tests. Uh, you, know, you can't, you can't have a true bubble. You will talk about the NBA and you know, and, you, know you can't just have one guy, you know. 30 teams in a win-woo from playing and, and, and getting tests like that. I think they've done a great job. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about only two outbreaks. And even when these games are canceled, you know, you're talking about, you know, one Cincinnati Red outfielder. Uh, you're talking about a New York Mets player. And that was it. So limited. So I, I think it's really worked out well. You know, that ever going to bubble one at work. Uh, you know, you can't have teams playing in spring training, you know, ballparks at 110 degrees outside. And, hey, living in Arizona, I mean, the, uh, the, 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 it became a hot spot for the, the COVID test. I mean, very, very high here. So I'm not even sure they could open up the season in early July when they talked about just because the virus is still under control. So, no, I, I, I give MLB high marks for uh, pulling this off. I think a lot of people thought they had no chance. And uh, I'd be shocked now if, if – if we don't have a World Series champion, we play our way through October. Yep, I'm with you, man. Oh, you know what? I Then I lied because you just said something at the end. Ryan and I have discussed this. I think this year's World Series champion is going to be as legit, if not more legit, than any other season we've ever had. And I think now instead of just testing uh, the first 30 guys in your roster, we're talking like 40-man roster and beyond 
there's so many moving parts. There's so much more pressure on the manager now. The manager has to deal with so many things with guys dropping out at the last second. You know, what can we do here? What can we... I just, I, I, uh, that's how I'm looking at it, Bob. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, uh, a special year for you, for sure. I mean, I think whoever wins it, you know, he's still very proud just because of all the obstacles and hurdles you had to, you know, do. I mean, starting, spring, turning, stopping. Not knowing when you start up again, not knowing it's going to stop. Uh, you know, like you said, the COVID tests and everything else. So, I mean, it's to be pretty mentally tough to survive this thing. Besides just being physically uh, done, you know, I I just hope in the postseason, you know, that we don't have any type of outbreak or something. So people put asses on mine. Yeah, this team would have won though if they didn't have an outbreak. I just hope that everybody is that healthy and uh, and fair game. Uh, I, I do believe with the uh, the playoff system the way it is. I do think we'll have some major upsets there, you know, the first round or particularly the first round, because I think anything can happen in that best of three, particularly if it's a neutral team. Bob, it's great catching up with you. Thanks so much for the time. Go enjoy baseball. I am um, envious of you. Really wish I could go to a ballpark, even if there's no fans. Take care of yourself, Bob. <laughs> Thanks a lot, brother. All right, very good. That's uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today. I want to get your thoughts on this too, Spader, because I really do think baseball is the, – the fact that the season is still going on, baseball has just done a good job in that regard. That to me was the bar. Can we have a season? Can we have a half a season? Can we have a full season? Can we play the postseason? I think to this point, I get it. You've got a couple of idiots that went out and did some bad things on a couple of teams and ended up burning those teams – um, hopefully nothing happens with the Indians too, but for the most part, I think MLB's done an okay job. How about you? I think in light of their failure, they did a good job. I think the, the huge failure was not getting the season kicked off long yes. before the other sports because they really missed the job to be, or excuse me, uh, missed the opportunity to be like the only show in town. When nobody has anything left on Netflix, nobody's got anything left on Amazon Prime, HBO Go, you name it. No sports are on. The only other thing they got going on is NASCAR, and nobody watches that. And um, they they just kind of dropped the ball. They they had autonomy for, what, five, six days? Yes, autonomy for five or six days. But Again, yeah. I, I can't take out what they did before the season started. I mean, that just tarnishes everything. But I think since they started, they've done an okay job. They've done a good job. I agree. I, since they started, if I uh, erase, I, I do one of those uh, Men in Black little flashy thingies and erase my memory yes. preseason, um, then yeah, I would say they did uh, an excellent job. And everything's gone really well. They've adapted on the fly with the seven inning double headers, uh, which, by the way, is something I pre- predicted on this show happening, uh, in case you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I just love I just love I just love gloating. I love myself. I know. I know you do. I don't Somebody's even mind. <laughs> I don't even mind. Not at all. But yeah, I think they've done a pretty good job. And you know, Bob was also talking about upsets in the playoffs. I don't know. I who who knows what's gonna happen, but yeah, I mean if you have think about it, if you're like the number eight seed and you got two really hot pitchers, that number eight seed could easily pull an upset. I mean, that's all. Look what the Nats did last year on their starting pitching. If you have a decent, if you have a decent team that just maybe underachieved during the regular season, maybe had some injuries, maybe something happened. Now you're healthy. You got a couple of frontline starters. 
And there's some teams out there that can roll those out and they could go and win the World Series and pull some upsets. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say they could do it easily. No. It's still going to be a challenge, uh, especially playing all the games on the road, especially if there's fans at that point. Um, however, I, I think that if there's an eight over one upset, that's great for baseball. That's exciting. There's a reason why the NHL playoffs are the best playoffs in all of sports. It's because it's a, what, a two month long tournament of teams just beating the shit out of each other. And it doesn't matter what seed you are. Uh, look at the Kings. What was it? Six years ago, they were like the 16th seed. If you seeded them all the way out and they went on to win the cup. Yep. No doubt about it, man. Um, I hear what you're saying, and I think that we will have some upsets. I don't think that the Dodgers getting upset in the first round would be good for baseball. They're really relying on the number two market um, to carry them for the playoffs, but it would be good for the fans, right? We'd love it. I mean, guys like us would love it. It'd be bad for TV ratings, but I don't give a damn. Can you imagine that? I don't think the Reds are going to be the – who knows? Maybe the Reds are the number eight seed or whatever the hell they are. But some just mediocre bushwhacker team pulling out the upset. Span of a few days. That'd be cool. I think it'd be great. I'd be all about it. I'm with you on the, listen, man, professional sports, the Stanley cup playoffs. If you have a team in the playoffs, there's nothing better than it. It's amazing. You got to have a team. I have to have a team though. It's, it's like, um, uh, I sort of look at it like a, like a poker game, right? As long as you have the chip and a chair, you're in it. Yeah. You got a shot. And, uh, I would love nothing more. I mean, the Phillies are playing pretty, uh, trash baseball, but um, uh, right now their playoff percentage is 58.2, and they're 10 and 14. They're in last in the division. Um, <laughs> and I would love nothing more to see them go into Dodger Stadium and just stomp all over that team. Uh, I, I, I told you I was there for your Matt Stairs home run last time those two teams played in the NLCS. Long time ago, though. God, is that 2012 years already? Are you kidding me, dude? Damn, the Rockies lost seven straight. I don't realize that. Yeah, the Rockies 12. have lost seven straight. I did not realize that. That was that was my team. I, I think ever since you gave me credit for them, they've shit the bed. You know who else is shitting the bed, and I'm enjoying it is the Marlins. Yeah, I don't want them to have any success. I, I'm sure. sorry, guys. I know you're young, and it's not your fault, but that baseball just doesn't belong down there. They built that gigantic new stadium, and they built the Miami people who were stupid enough to allow them to build that. But I'm not ready for them to be good yet. You know what really cellar dwellers. You know what really makes me laugh is the um if, looking at some of these home and away splits, and it really does show that having fans in a ballpark does make a difference. Because look at for example the Orioles, six and thirteen at home, eight and one on the road. The Tigers, four and ten at home, seven and six on the road. Uh, the I think the Giants are another one. Hold on. Giants, uh, no, never mind. They're eight and six and six and ten. But if you look, uh, Brewers, two and six at home, nine and nine on the road. These splits are just crazy with some of these teams. The Phillies, um, Phillies have uh, more of a, I guess, a conventional home and away record with the eight and eight at home, and then uh, two and six on the road. But it, it, it's just really funny to look at the way that this is all playing out, and um, it, it's. Uh, I kind of like what I was talking about with Bob. I, I think it's going to be talked about for a long time, especially when 
if Fernando Tatis's next 30 games are just as good as his first 30, people are going to be saying, hey, he would have hit 60 home runs and stole 30 or 40 bases. And the fact of the matter is, no, he, he wouldn't have. He would have hit a cold spell at some point and had a rough six weeks here or something. Uh, I, I just... I just I think I fall in the same school with you. I'm just glad we got some sort of baseball and uh, it's progressing forward. And it seems to honestly, it seems to be getting better every single week. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's been so nice just sitting home watching games. And I'm usually up for the for the West Coast games, too, because I'm in mountain time. So I can just watch all of them. And I people on the East Coast fall asleep. I know you stay up all night and do everything. So many people miss the action. And I'm guilty of that, too. And, you know, in D.C. for 13 years, there's probably three or four where I just didn't watch baseball uh, on the West Coast. I just wasn't up late enough. That's what happens when you have kids. But anyways, that's what happened. I'm glad you brought the Giants up. Have you noticed how good these guys have been offensively? They're fourth in the in the majors in runs. Now, if you look down at like their OPS and, and ISO and things like this, maybe they're more like the 12th team in Major League Baseball. But I think I brought them up last time. Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, yeah, Yaz's grandson. This kid is just raking. He's got a three, and he's almost, but he's almost thirty. Who cares? He's got a three thirty six ISO. He's slugging six forty five. He's got seven home runs. He's their best hitter. He's a really good hitter. Like, what does it matter that he's almost thirty? Who cares? I hope he has like six or seven good years. It matters because the Orioles screwed up a guy again. Like, why wasn't this kid in the big leagues when he was twenty three, twenty four years old? Maybe he just wasn't good then. I, I don't. It took, a, it took him a while to catch. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't put much stock into that. And one thing, though, I will say about the Giants, now managed by Gabe Kapler, who had a horrible reputation as a bullpen manager with Philadelphia, um, I do want to note that the Giants' bullpen has allowed more home runs than the Dodgers' bullpen has allowed total earned runs, despite San Francisco's relievers having fewer innings pitched. So uh, Kapler's at it again with the bullpen. You just went down a wormhole there, buddy, and I can't go down it. I can't handle that wormhole. No Gabe Kapler. Well, I, ha- I, had, you? To, you know, I had to throw in a, some, some Spader's stats, stats. Well, I'm, I was about to say Spader's stats. So <laughs> just give me a second. Spader's stats, stats, stats. All right, Here. Spader. Hold on. I got one more for you. Did you no, see? That's what I want. Give it to me. Did you see what I um uh, I tweeted it out this morning? You may not have seen it because you're probably asleep. It's like uh, did it early, but the um today is the 101st anniversary of Ray Caldwell getting oh, yeah. struck getting struck by lightning while he was on the mound with one out to go to finish off a complete game victory, knocked unconscious. Then he comes to, stays in the game, and finishes <laughs> off the victory. I wish I wish we uh, could have talked to uh, injury expert Will Carroll about that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's when men were men. We're a bunch of pussies. Men were <laughs> men. You get hit by a bolt of lightning, you better go back to work. No child labor laws, no lightning laws. Like, what's the stat there? One great story and like one in a billion, six hundred million to get struck by lightning. What's the chances that? Uh, I don't know what the odds. I tried to find it. It's, it can't be. It can't be uh, that difficult to find. But there, I guess there's no real stat there. But it's one in seven hundred thousand. So, that's your stat. One that's it. 000. It doesn't seem that unlikely, you know. 
it seems like it's a little more likely than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what always drove me nuts, though? I always um, heard people say that, uh, you know, if you get struck by lightning, you're more likely to get struck by lightning again. And this is just a um, one of those, um, uh, I don't know, confirmation bias. It's not the word I'm looking for. But regardless, it's um, yeah, it's not if you get struck by lightning, you're more likely to get hit again. It's if you get struck, if you get if you get struck by lightning in the first place, you're in situations where you're more likely to get struck by lightning. Therefore, you're more likely to get hit again. You dumbasses, drives me nuts. You know what my favorite thing is about this too? Looking this up. So uh, weather.gov, which is the government, says it's about one in seven hundred thousand. The uh, no 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 cdc.gov, another government uh, institution, one in five hundred thousand. And uh, an insurance company says one in 1.2 million. So somewhere between a half a million and 1.2 million. But even if it's 1.2 million, right, that means there's 17 people in New York City in the tri-state area that have been struck by lightning. That's quite a bit of people. My uncle got struck by lightning. Did he? It was completely fine. He was fine? He liked it? It felt good? No, he didn't like it. Knocked him off his ass. But I I always... (laughs) I always thought that was something that like kills you, like growing up. And then I found out my uncle got struck, and I'm like, well, what the hell? Completely what did he fine. say happened? What did he say it felt like? Uh, he didn't really say, but uh, my my grandfather told me a story because he was out in front of my grandparents' house uh, mowing their lawn. He's a landscaper, and um, he uh, my grandfather was standing out on the porch, and he said all of a sudden he just froze and looked up at him and screamed, "I'm hit." And then he went like parallel to the floor and fell <laughs> fell to the ground. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I think that's a wonderful way to leave the show. How about you? Your yeah, uncle was struck by lightning. What a six home breath. runs in Little League. There you go. Let's tie it into baseball. <laughs> he did? Yeah. How do you know? Like the Little League World Series or just Little League? Ah, he was like a the best baseball player in our my uh, my father's family growing up, and he was the only one who had hit home runs. What's his name? Michael. Uncle Michael. Congrats for surviving, Uncle Michael. You bucked the trend. <laughs> for Ryan Spader at the Ace of Spader on Twitter. I'm Holden Kirchner at Holden Radio, and we'll catch you later in the week.